0: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
1: Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now.
0: Hi, thanks for joining us for this episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I work at the National Cannabis Industry Association. My guest today is Kayvon Khalidbari with Denver Relief Consulting, among many other businesses and activities. Welcome, Kayvon. It's good to have you on the show.
2: Thank you for having me, Bethany.
0: For sure. So Kayvon, a lot of people in the community, both cannabis industry or otherwise, know you. So for those who don't, could you please tell me a little bit more about your background and what led you to get involved in the cannabis industry and movement?
2: Yeah, you bet. I uh, started in uh, the cannabis policy reform movement in 2005 with a group called SAFER. A safer alternative for enjoyable recreation. That was through Steve Fox and Mason Tavert, and it was a marijuana policy project initiative. So Rob Campio was involved back then, and it was to work on Initiative One Hundred here in Denver, uh, which decriminalized an ounce or less of cannabis in the city. Uh, we were the first major city uh, to do so uh, in in the United States when that passed back then. Um, Stayed involved uh, with Safer and then Sensible Colorado, uh, which was a a medical cannabis advocacy group that Brian Vicente started uh, about a decade ago or a little more. And uh, that was kind of my first foray into it. So I got in with some really great folks uh, back then that's really created the foundation for kind of a lot of my intent these days. Um, that en- eventually turned into opening Sexy Pizza with uh, the assistant director for Safer. And then a year later in uh, 2009, uh, Denver Relief, which was one of the first cannabis businesses uh, to you know, kind of operate in this pre-regulated, pre-legal environment uh, here in Colorado. Um, we eventually sold that in uh, 2016, I sold the grow to Willie Nelson's group and sold the retail to Terrapin Care Station here in Colorado. And I uh, really did that to focus on our advocacy efforts um, and, and Denver Leaf Consulting. So, uh, you know, whether it's my board position with the National Cannabis Industry Association, uh, the Minority Cannabis Business Association, Students for Sensible Drug Policy, uh, the Resource Innovation Institute, which is geared towards environmental stewardship issues in the industry um those are things that i really wanted to focus on along with working with our clients in these other dozen states canada uh, d c and Puerto Rico uh, partnerships as well in Illinois Nevada, um, but to spend our time really allowing folks to to take our lessons learned and to um, to have us be assets to really a lot of people across the country uh, instead of just driving day to day on our business here in Colorado uh, so selling that business really freed up the time to focus on the larger picture uh, mm-hmm. to continue being a part of the the cannabis reform movement on a on a broader level so we're really excited to be in this new role.
0: Yeah, those are all really great organizations uh, in the drug policy reform movement. Um, and you mentioned uh, your company, Sexy Pizza, which is also a member of NCIA. Uh, what I like about Sexy Pizza is there are certain pizzas that if you order them, there's a portion of uh, the cost that will go to a few different groups and organizations. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, we started with uh, the Safer Pie uh, back in the day <laughs> when when Safer still had uh, some work to do here in the state of Colorado. Uh, we also had a Sensible Colorado Pie and uh, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and I think Law Enforce or uh, I'm sorry, um, Students for Sensible Drug Policy was our fourth. Uh, now that some of the those cannabis initiatives have been. Uh, won or made progress here in Colorado. Safer and Sensible aren't really uh, organizations that are doing too much anymore. And because of the wins, we've moved on to broader drug policy and, and social policy conversations. So we have a pie dedicated to the Harm Reduction Action Center, which is uh, the largest needle exchange and. And naloxone provider in the state, uh, so yeah, I wanted to, wanted to definitely keep that that mindset at Sexy Pizza to remember our roots in drug policy reform, and to really use giving and philanthropy as uh, an opportunity to market our business. It's something that we've done now for. Uh, eight years now, um I don't think we put a print ad in a newspaper or a magazine or anything like that in four or five years. It's been through uh, supporting local uh, organizations like this and uh, also supporting uh, rather uh, art initiatives and uh, community impact events and, and things like that instead of focusing on traditional marketing like a lot of folks is, uh, a lot of
0: folks do yeah, that's great super interesting um so, your role now at Denver Relief Consulting, could you tell me a little bit more about what Denver Relief Consulting does what its mission and values are and and how they're serving the cannabis industry these days?
2: You bet yeah we started uh, about five years ago as a entity that was to assist uh, folks in Colorado that were uh, on the front end of regulations coming online here, and we're the first state to do so. And there are a lot of folks that operated in this uh, really gray market environment that understood cannabis, that understood how to grow and maybe how to manufacture some products back then, how to retail and have conversations with patients, but didn't quite understand the business side of things and what it Mm -hmm. takes to navigate the city and state licensing and regulatory structures. So Mm -hmm. we took our experience uh, along with some other folks out there that uh, focused on legal and security and things of that nature and helped folks get through these uh, licensing audits, these compliance audits before these inspectors with the state walked through their door, we could uh, essentially give them a prequel to that and and define those expectations and get them prepared so those inspections weren't as burdensome uh, to become operational in this new environment. And when that was done in Colorado really had the its feet under it, we stretched out into other states and in the last uh, five years now have uh, submitted, Merit based applications uh, for license in, I think, 10 different states uh, Canada, Washington, DC, and Puerto Rico. Uh, that's my main focus. I'm uh, pretty much our operations manager here at Denver Relief Consulting. Uh, and and help folks get through this process and building local community support and getting into some other progressive initiatives uh, to set themselves apart from just being operators in the industry. There's a lot of competition for these very few licenses available. And we've been able to build off of uh, just these, not just these standard operating procedures, these best practices that people need, this experience in the industry uh, that people need to win these licenses, but taking it a step further and really pushing the industry forward when we're talking about community impact, environmental stewardship, minority and understanding served inclusion and and really implementing that into our process has garnered us top scores in Nevada, Uh, Puerto Rico, Maryland, second highest in Florida, the top three scores in Illinois, where we work with our partner, Cresco Labs. So uh, really, really excited uh, to not only be where we're at now and and the things we've done at DRC, uh, DRC, but now that we see states like California and some of these larger markets coming on board, uh, being able to evolve once again and hopefully be able to help more people uh, in, in these larger markets that are coming down the pipe.
0: Yeah, you absolutely are correct. There's there's so many regulations, uh, red tape, uh, compliance issues for these business owners to to really pay attention to, and I also appreciate all the other sort of triple bottom line approaches uh, that you all are taking, including minorities, environmental stewardship. These are all great things that the cannabis industry cares about and needs to focus on as we as we grow as we're building this from the ground up. Um, and it's great that you all stretch so far. You've, you've got your hands in all kinds of states across the country, uh, dis- despite the name of the company being Denver Relief Consulting. You're actually much broader than that. Um, so when we come back from the commercial break, I definitely want to talk more with you, Kayvon, about community involvement and giving back. Uh, we've touched on some of that so far, but there's, there's a lot more to talk about there. Uh, so stay tuned And we will be right back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Don't go away.
1: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Get inspired and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, we're
0: back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, and I'm talking with Kayvon of Denver Relief Consulting. And today we're going to dive in a little bit deeper uh, about the importance of community involvement on the business side. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Kayvon, both you and Denver Relief Consulting are known for community involvement and giving back, you guys stay really busy. Um, for example, the Green Team uh, is an initiative out of Denver Relief, Denver Relief Consulting, and they do environmental cleanup. It's it's volunteer, and there's all sorts of ways that they're helping the community environment. So let's talk a little bit more about that and and other ways. You're prioritizing giving back to the community and contributing.
2: Yeah, I think some of these community impact initiatives uh, that we've really in- initiated across the country that that started with the Green Team uh, back in 2010, a year after we started Denver Relief, were uh, really for a couple reasons, and and the first was yeah you know, this industry uh, before it was a industry to make money was based in social policy change and understanding that drugs in general definitely cannabis are public health issues and that we're creating a huge impact, negative impact on people's lives due to the war on drugs by uh, when the conversation canvas comes up using a, a substance that's far more benign than alcohol or or cigarettes or fast food. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that that we're, we're getting into this uh, when it does become a business for uh, reasons that are broader than just the bottom line and that profit. And that's really where the, the green team, I think, w- has allowed us an opportunity to uh, to to market ourselves, to be an example, to set a standard for other folks in the industry, to help get them enticed in this broader picture, and it's worked out well. And that together, bringing other people into the fold, having some, some unison uh, voice and thought on this bigger picture, uh, has really helped change the perception of cannabis. And that's something we've dealt with uh, for a very long time and still very much deal with in the cannabis industry is uh, this perception that we're you know, stoners, that we're the B-roll footage on Fox News, that uh, <laughs> we're these things that certainly apply to some people but don't apply to the broader cannabis consumer, the cannabis business owner. Uh, we really do cross every race, religion, sex, age, Um, economic demographic across the board. And and I think that having initiatives like the green team, uh, community impact events in general, where we can bring in folks that, are in and outside of the cannabis industry together and put them in a room or uh, on an initiative with members of their community and their neighbors, I think it really helps to break down those walls of misperception and and really makes our lives a lot easier because there isn't that unknown uh, fear factor or that unknown perception about uh, what we're doing and why we're here. Uh, so we've really looked forward to, to taking, I mentioned Sensible Colorado, really taking the green team now uh, that Brian Vicente has uh, allowed us to take over Sensible Colorado and tuck the green team under it, along mm-hmm. with some of these other initiatives that we're working on related to minority inclusion and environmental stewardship. Yeah,
0: that green team specifically is is known for organizing to help clean up Denver's Civic Center Park, which is, of course, where the annual 420 rally takes place. Um, and. It, it can become trash. It can become trashy after a big rally like that, all kinds of uh, cups, garbage plates, who, who knows what kinds of garbage uh, you guys are picking up. Um, so that's just another way that, you know, the day after on the 21st of April, we are leaving the park clean and not completely trashed. And, and that helps shift the perspective of who we are um, and, why we care and shouldn't be treated any differently. Like you said, dreadlocks yeah, and tie dye is fine and all, but it's not all of us.
2: Definitely. And, and the, the trash cleanup, the 420 rally has been going on here forever. Um, but we did certainly see that as a, a potential black eye for the cannabis industry because you'd have a lot of people coming from outside the state uh, that really, you know, a lot of them don't have an obligation <laughs> to keep the park clean like maybe the folks that live in Denver would. So uh, that was our first initiative was to go down there and pick up trash rallies. And then uh, over the course of the last few years, it's uh, loaded into free bicycle and wheelchair repair clinics uh, that we have uh, our next one coming up uh, here in a couple of weeks at Terrapin Care Station is, is sponsoring, but tree planting and urban gardening initiatives and hygiene product and food product collection drives for the homeless. Naloxone train exchange and and all of these other things to uh, benefit our image, but also to provide a benefit uh, for for the the communities in which we operate. And and those initiatives that we select to do are really considered of what the, we hear from the neighbors and the folks around us in the community and what they'd like to see us do uh, to to provide a benefit. So we don't pretend to know what each community wants. Uh, We'll ask them uh, what what they think would be most appropriate uh, for us to organize volunteers or money or other resources around. And and that's really how we define these projects.
0: Smart. Good work. Um, On the subject of homelessness and poverty, you personally have been doing some really amazing work in that field uh, here in Denver. And you've been working with city officials to address the issue of homelessness and poverty more compassionately and productively. Can you talk about that briefly?
2: Yeah. Homelessness is certainly something that the entire country is dealing with in a huge way is uh, financial assistance for housing and, and things like that uh, help perpetuate the cycle along with treating drugs as a criminal act and, and things like that. So it's a thing that's booming across the country, but especially Denver being uh, reasonably sized uh, for the resources that we do have available. Uh, it's really unfortunate that we have the homeless population size that we do, which we understand in our county alone sits at about 6,000 people. Wow. Uh, this is something Something that Denver Homeless Out Loud and some of these activist groups around homelessness have really been uh, fighting for a couple of years to, to, to remove the criminalization of, of of homelessness through our urban camping ban here in Colorado to uh, looking at more housing first approaches to looking at more law enforcement assisted diversion keeping people out of jail so they don't have to go through that uh, same cycle being able, unable to find housing unable to get a job yada yada um, mm. but they haven't found a lot of traction we've got a mayor here unfortunately in Denver Mayor Michael Han that uh, isn't uh, isn't too compassionate on this topic unfortunately so uh what we've done is created a broader coalition uh, because we knew that homeless activists alone uh, weren't going to be able to to catch the ear of these civic leaders in a, in a manner that could make some real progress here and we started a group called the alternative solutions advocacy project that has about 150 businesses and several dozen faith-based organizations led by the interfaith alliance uh denver university homeless advocacy groups um um, tons of non-profits are a part of this in a lot of different ways and once we got this coalition and met with every member of city council and the mayor's office and the chief of police we were really able to get some traction on this topic and uh, now village going up in denver uh, that's going to be done in about 30 days that would be denver's first as a pilot program to see if we can work on tra- transposing in uh, in some fashion and uh, it's really open the broader discussion i think we're going to see a lot a lot more progress made Uh, on this homeless topic here in denver this year
0: yeah that is so cool i've definitely been reading about the tiny house project and i was going to ask how that's going so you said it'll start seeing some real movement in about 30 days construction's already begun is that is that right
2: yeah, we got fully funded, uh, all privately funded. The city didn't give us a thing. Uh, we're doing it on an urban land conservancy-owned land, which is earmarked for affordable housing down the road. And, uh, we're using it as these temporary installations for transitional housing until then. I think we're all framed. We're all sited. Uh, we got the roofs on. Uh, now it's a matter of finishing these and installing our yurts uh, for these 11 tiny houses. Uh, there's three yurts in the middle in this common area, uh, one that is like a mess tent for uh, cafeteria cooking, another that is for general community entertainment and then a third that's for uh, sanitation facilities. Uh, If all goes well uh, we expect that hopefully this is something the city latches on to in a little bit more permanent way and we've got our second uh, village opening up at uh, St. Andrew's Church downtown Denver here in about four months as well.
0: Wow wow congrats that's that's really a huge effort and I can't wait to see the progress as we as we go along here later in the year and to see the impact that it has on the homeless community and, and to help get these people rehabilitated and have a place to go and clean up and rest. And uh, c- congratulations, definitely. So we're going to take another quick commercial, but we will be right back to talk more with Kayvon. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice.
1: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on, and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option?
3: the cannabis world of tomorrow converges for the first ever southeast cannabis conference and expo in fort lauderdale florida june 9th through the 11th register right now at seccexpo.com tv talk icon montel williams nfl all-stars ricky williams marvin washington and kyle turley lead some of our top tier panels in industry information athletics real estate technology medical research and more Meet hundreds of vendors and thousands of entrepreneurs at the 2017 Southeast Cannabis Conference and Expo in Fort Lauderdale. Last-minute registration is open now at SECCExpo.com.
2: The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Fuber vaporizers are blazing the way with
1: unparalleled
2: technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens.
1: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's cannabis industry voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
0: All right, we're back, finishing up a conversation with Kayvon from Denver Relief Consulting here on the show today. Um, so let's let's jump right back in, Kayvon. Thanks for sharing all that news about all the um, community involvement projects that you've been working on, uh, especially the tiny house project for, for the homeless here in Denver. Um, I just want to say thank you again for that work. Um, so you mentioned you're on the board of directors here with the National Cannabis Industry Association, and you've been involved with NCIA since its early beginnings going on, ooh, what, seven years ago? See. <laughs> um, Yeah. So you've attended lobby days, of course, and you've supported NCIA's work since the beginning. What is most important to you here regarding your involvement with this National Trade Association on on this bigger scale?
2: Yeah. You know, NCIA, seven years now, been involved. Uh, I think I, I attended my fourth lobby day this year. And very similar to what I mentioned with the green team, it's an opportunity to show folks that Maybe don't know a whole lot about the cannabis industry. Uh, something different that they that they weren't aware of to 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 put a face uh, to the things that we're dealing with uh, to this industry. It, the, the, there's not a lot, a lot of opportunity for folks in states where it's not uh, regulated, legalized, uh, to have the kind of people around them be setting the example for the industry in a very uh, visible way, uh, like we have here in Colorado. Right? So uh, you know, just from the perception. CIA has been a, has made a tremendous impact on a on a national level, but also an international level. But to have a unison voice really fighting for the things that are still very much. Uh, for businesses in this industry, or taxes, or, or looking down the road to potentially descheduling cannabis, uh, to, to speak to federal excise and sales taxes and things of that nature. Uh, it really behooves us as an industry, whether we're large or small, uh, to sit in a room together and discuss how this impacts all of us and, and really have one unison voice uh, that we present for change and for evolution as cannabis kind of gets out of the shadows here. So it's been incredibly important to me, not just from uh, the perspective of what NCIA does, but my own personal growth, um, being able to you know, collaborate uh, with my colleagues in the industry that I probably wouldn't have a chance to otherwise. Uh, this has been a real bridge to a lot of these people, and uh, the, beyond that, it's it's created a lot of great friendships uh, that I hold very dear today. So I was very excited uh, that I just got elected for my uh, second term on the board.
0: Yep, <laughs> thanks again for your service. Um, and if anyone's ever gotten an email from Kayvon, you you see probably about 20 different business logos listed under his signature and a good a good handful of those are all members of ncia so thanks for the support there Um, and and you mentioned the community and how we can help each other create best practices how we can get advice from each other so we don't have to reinvent the wheel and especially for those folks in states where they have not passed a program yet uh, they can really look to people who have been doing it and see what works, what doesn't work, and uh, sort of luck arm in arm together as as we walk forward into the future to create the best industry that we possibly can. Uh, so what are you looking forward to addressing and doing? As we go forward into the future, I know you mentioned the importance of environmental stewardship and your involvement with the minority cannabis business association. So those things included what, what, where are we, where are we going? What, what are you focusing on?
2: Yeah, you you bet. I, you know, beyond what. NCIA is doing uh, legislatively uh, on the federal level, which is uh, tremendously important and really, I think, the first thing to focus on. Uh, Once we start to see those walls fall and and start to see a more level playing field for cannabis businesses in the industry, we got to start getting the focus back, I think, to what can make us different. And the cannabis industry has seen this evolution by focusing on social agendas, by by making it bigger again than than just that bottom line profit. So uh, I really look forward to what. NCIA is doing with MCBA in collaboration um, with this uh, minority business council uh, that MCBA is helping head that MCBA just released a model bill um, that looks to cr- uh, fix the disparate uh, issues related to people of color involved in the cannabis industry. And I think that's going to bleed really well in 10 CIA's content when it comes to the Cannabis Business Summit and, and some of the other things that we work on, um, but also the environmental stewardship conversation and and how do we not only be considerate of our environment, which is something that is going to be ever more in the public space in our discussions with getting out of the, uh, the the Paris Accord and things like that, you know, that we have to take, we have to really take it a Amongst ourselves as a business to to go beyond uh, what our our baseline standards and and find our own progress and I think the cannabis industry is established really well for that but beyond uh, just doing it for. Uh, for good reasons related to the environment I think we have to do it for our businesses too and these these warehouse grows in Colorado uh, that have been the standard are not going to be very viable in a couple of years when most people are growing outside or in greenhouses or when uh, we can start crossing state lines with cannabis California is going to grow most of theirs outside Oregon as well uh, we have to be considerate of our bottom line in that sense and not get priced out uh, so I think environmental stewardship is going to lead into a uh, nicely into the price war that I think is looming for the cannabis industry. Um, But then there's all these other progressive initiatives with R&D and research and understanding cannabis fully that we haven't even scratched the surface on. I really think NCIA, once we get those very foundational things done with regard to taxing, uh, taxation and banking, uh, that we can focus on these more progressive initiatives a little more and bring more people into the fold. And I think the cannabis industry and NCIA is going to be a force in that regard.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Well, we just ran out of time. It's been awesome talking with you. And and thank you again for sharing uh, the updates on the work you've been doing in the community. Um, So thanks again for joining us, Kayvon. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you, Bethany. Take care.
0: Thanks. Thanks again for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. This has been your host, Bethany Moore. Have a good one.